It's Tuesday, January 5th, 2021, and this is the Talk Film Society podcast. I am your host, Marcelo Pico, editor-in-chief of Talk Film Society, and a podcaster, obviously. Uh, here to introduce episode 77 of the Talk Film Society podcast. Happy New Year. Uh, yes, we're still talking the films of 2020 in our continuing series, Um and this is this is a good one. I mean, I think all episodes are good, but this one's especially good because it's uh, we're covering two very positive, very joyful movies on this on this episode. Uh, Emma, that's the first one. In the first segment, you'll hear me talking Emma, the uh, Jane Austen adaptation uh, directed by Autumn DeWild. Uh, me and Meredith, my guest Meredith, at Meredith on Twitter. Uh, we talk about it, and it's a very delightful conversation. Hope you enjoy that. And then, in the next segment, the next movie I discuss uh, is uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. I talk about that with my guest, Austin Chin, uh, at Untitled User, on Twitter. Um, and that's another joyful movie, another delightful movie, and another great conversation. So please enjoy those two uh segments here in a bit but before that uh plugs i mean go to talkfilmsociety.com uh obviously check out our writing our other podcasts i mean right now i just published a new going helms deep episode uh, covering the lord of the rings and hobbit films um that's uh that's fast approaching the end uh i just published the second part of the desolation of smog um that episode um, and we're, we're doing Battle of the Five Armies, uh, two episodes on that, and that's it. So check that out as we ramp up to the end. And also, I'm also doing the uh, Trek Film Society podcast, where we cover the films of Star Trek. Uh, me and Mike Schindler and Diego Crespo are, are doing that. And check out every other podcast on the network. Check out sequels, It Pod to Be You, Queer and Now, Monsters Never Die, Steven Destroy... Uh, all that, all that great stuff. Uh, there's plenty more. So check that out and go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety for bonuses and to just help us, help the site. Uh, if you like uh, this podcast, if you'd like any other podcast on the network, um, uh, help us out. Throw in a buck and it'll be much appreciated. Um, and that's it. That's all I wanted to say. Um, like I said, this uh, this series on the films is 2020. It's ongoing. Going to be doing it for the next few weeks because I have more guests uh, lined up to talk about great movies of 2020. Um, and I'm excited for that. So stay tuned. I'm also excited for this episode. Stay tuned right now as I toss it to myself uh, and my guest Meredith discussing Emma. And then after that... Me and Austin discuss Bill and Ted face the music. So please enjoy. And here with me for another segment on the Talk Film Society podcast is Meredith. Hey, Meredith. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, it's a nice... I've, oh, God, I, I, I did this before with a, with a past episode. What day is it? Wednesday. It's a nice Wednesday uh, <laughs> afternoon going on evening. Oh, boy, the days have been blurring. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you're staying uh, warm and dry because it's, it's a rainy 
getting cold, uh, you know, day here in Austin. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, but it's it's a perfect time to stay in and and uh, talk about the movie we're talking about today. That's what I did today. I spent the afternoon rewatching this movie, and it was delightful. oh great. It was it was very yes. delightful. Um, that's a that's a really good word to describe it. It is very delightful. I'm going to use that <laughs> word a lot this segment. Um, but I'll toss it to you, Meredith. Um, what is the movie you picked in my prompt of like, you know, the movies of 2020? You know, worth discussing. Yeah. Uh, what's the movie you decided to pick, Meredith? I picked Emma, directed by Autumn DeWilde. Yes, Emma. Uh, the film that was out this past year. Uh, I, I, I tried to look up the release date. I know I saw it in I, the theater. <laughs> I did. I, it was the last film I saw in the theater. I was going to say. Right before South by Southwest. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing this. Uh, the Alamo Draft House had their victory screening every year. They do like, oh, yeah, you know, for people who are in our rewards program, here's a special screening for you. And right. I and I ended up picking Emma, and I was, th- it was I think it was in February when I saw it with like a packed crowd, and it was such such a beautiful experience. And then a month later, you it, know, it was over. <laughs> I, it's funny because I was with my friend um, who I, I think you know because he he said he took a tweet prompt that you did matt shiverdecker one of my best friends oh yes yes, uh, yes yeah we went to go see it and he was starting to get worried about south by and the coronavirus and Ooh. i said oh just if you'll be fine like i don't think you need to worry i mean me just you know perhaps trying to uh not really accept the reality that we were uh, headed into um but we did have that discussion where he was like i'm i'm worried about sitting next to people who have been on a plane for eight hours um you know next week so yeah it was the last film that i saw it was quite an experience those last few weeks before everything shut down because i had that same thing in mind watching like Abel Ferrero's Body Snatchers at the Draft House in 35 oh, okay. And if you haven't seen that movie, uh, Meredith, or people watching at home, just think about like watching <laughs> a film about like a a, a an alien that contempt, you know, that it's Body Snatchers. It's a remake of Body Snatchers. Right. <laughs> well, right, yeah. Imagine watching that sitting in a crowd, in a crowded theater, watching that, you know, with news of like, you know, what, what's happening in China? What's happening in like other countries? Like it's going to oh, spread yeah. here. And then like a few weeks later, Thing shut down. Yeah. But, but but this was a bright spot though. Emma was a bright spot. Yeah, it's it's definitely in terms of like what film is like a does not represent 2020 at all. Emma, right? Like it's just it's just there's nothing about it that we can like you know dive in and pull. It's like no, it's just like a yeah. wonderful sweet film. Um, it's all colorful and bright, and everybody's happy. So it's it's kind of a nice contrast to the year that we've you know been through. That's that's beautifully put because uh, we're watching it this afternoon, um, you know, with it being the last few days of 2020 as we're recording this, you know, uh, tomorrow's new year's Eve. Um, and here in Austin, it's raining outside. It's kind of gloomy, but the, the, the bright colors, I was watching them on Apple TV and is, mm-hmm. it looks so good. And, uh, Oh, it's, I, I, I wanted that moment just to just, you know, do like a reverse, like last action hero and just go into that movie, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, yeah. be in that colorful environment and fall in love and, you know, then fall out of love and then get angry at my, you know, people who, are, who I'm in love with and then get back together at the end. That's kind of what I want to do. Um, but this, okay. Yeah. So I, I think we I think I said this off mic. I'm not a huge Shane Austin fan. All right. Only because 
like I just haven't read any of her works and I haven't seen a lot of the adaptations sure. of her work. Yeah. Uh, Meredith, tell me how big of a fan you are of Jane Austen or of like Emma and its past adaptations. Sure. Yeah. So I would say um, I'm a pretty big Jane Austen fan. Um, I mean, I, I remember I first read Pride and Prejudice in high school, you know, my junior year. So it would have been 90s. I don't know, 98, 97, who knows, right? Sometime around then. And I remember picturing Mr. Darcy as Jason Lee because he's like always uh, been my number one crush. Uh, and he kind of had that like that moppy hairstyle back then. Um, so that's who I pictured as uh, Mr. Darcy. Um, yeah, I love that one. Um, love Sense and Sensibility, um, especially the Ang Lee adaptation. Um, I love that one. I've been meaning to buy it um, just to rewatch it. Um, but Emma, I would say is actually my least favorite of kind of the big Jane Austen. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the Walt Stittman love and friendship that came out a couple years ago is, uh, is so underrated. Uh, you know, if anyone here hasn't seen that, but is a fan of, of his work or a fan of Jane Austen, um, it's really good. It, it really gets the humor right. And I think that's what I really liked about this version of Emma. And I think so many people think of like the seriousness of Jane Austen, like the the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice or the Colin Firth one. And I think what they don't, the adaptations get wrong is there's a lot of humor in there. She was a very funny writer and had a really funny voice. Um, and so I loved that this one really seemed to capture capture that. Um, and I just, I think we always think of, you know, period films as as being just so stiff and, and dull, um, dull in terms of color and, and things like that. And so I felt like this one really brought it to life in a, in a way that I don't think I've ever seen an, um, a Jane Austen adaptation done before. Yeah, and that's what um, what really uh, caught my attention when I saw like the previews to this, because um, like when you have like you know a Jane Austen adaptation that is a that is like as like as it seemed in the trailer like bubbly and expressive mm-hmm. and funny and has mm-hmm. Bill Nye in it and also uh, <laughs> yeah. Anya Taylor Joy who is a favorite actress of mine right now like you have right. all those elements I'm like. Yes, like that's what I want to see, and yeah, that like you're like to your point, Meredith. Like, it's not like maybe a roadblock in my mind for not having seen a lot of Jane, Jane Austen adaptations is because like I connect it with like maybe something dreary and like something like you know. Eh. Yeah, and in the di- the director um, Autumn DeWild, who I I've been a fan of for a while because she's um, you know a, a famous uh, mu- uh, rock and roll like musician photographer um so um you know i was a big fan of hers and she's i read an interview where she said um you know every adaptation it's the the paint looks like it's fading and the clothes are are um you know fading but that's not how it was right it's just because everything that's still survived from back then the wallpaper the clothes it's faded over time but back then especially when you were rich everything was bright right because that's that's a way that showed your wealth because you had the the bright colors you had the expensive fabrics right um so i i really appreciated that attention to detail that she that she made that choice um and hopefully it will open other people up to Jane Austen who, you know, or people who perhaps their partners are fans and they're like, <laughs> okay, we'll watch it, you know, um, and they maybe kind of take something away from it that they didn't realize, um, you know, existed in, in these stories. 
Uh, yeah. Um, well, I guess we should talk about the plot in this and uh, in, in, in Emma. For those who don't know, for those who, yeah. you know, maybe uh, maybe I only knew Emma from you know Clueless because like Clueless sure. is an adaptation <laughs> of Emma, right? But yeah. Mer- uh, yeah. Mer- Meredith, can you break down if you can the plots of what's happening in in Emma? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Emma is a uh, one of my favorite types of characters, a young, uh, bored, rich girl um, who has nothing better to do than to set up matches for other people. Um, and in the story, she um, has set up her governess with um, a friend, um, a family friend, and they get married. Um, and so she needs another project. So she uh, becomes enamored with a, a very cute uh, girl at the local school, um, Harriet, and um, kind of sees her as her pet project um, to kind of bring up into the upper echelons of society. Um, while um, her brother-in-law, so her sister's husband's brother, um, Mr. Knightley, um, I, th- I think I get the two men's names confused, but I think it's Mr. Knightley. Um, he comes into town and um, there seems to be some tension between them. But then another young gentleman, uh, the son of the uh, governess's new husband, comes into town and, and everybody is very smitten with him because he's very handsome and smoldering. Um, and Emma kind of wants to capture his eye, but, you know, hilarity ensues, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> hilarity does, in fact, ensue. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, let's talk about... Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy uh, as sure. Emma. Um, because like I said, she's she's doing amazing work. I still have not yet seen uh, Queen's Gambit, which I know everybody's been telling me it's amazing. Have you seen that yet, Meredith? I'll admit, I only saw one episode and I really liked it. Um, and then I think I got into something else, some probably dumb reality thing. And <laughs> But my mom, every time I've talked to my mom in the past two weeks, she's mentioned it. So Yeah, I, I'm almost going to be honest, and I, I watched maybe 10 minutes of it, and I go, this is too heavy for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, it's a I lot. I may have watched like, something, oh, I, I think I mentioned this in another, in another episode I recorded. I, I just watched Duffy Bloods, and I was like, oh, I got to oh, watch okay. something else. Then I watched like the first 10 minutes of Queen's Gambit, and for those who don't know the plot, I mean, it's the first 10 minutes, so it's not a spoiler. Like, you find out she's an orphan because, like, her parents, you know, passed away and she's she's taken to an orphan house. And I'm like, yeah, this is too heavy right now. <laughs> I'm, right, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to play Tony Hawk for, you know, until fall asleep. Sure. Um, but yeah, I yeah. will finish Queen's Gambit soon because I, I keep hearing that show's amazing and, and Anya Taylor-Joy is amazing. But her and this, like, yeah. it's, 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 you know, for, for me, just, you know, knowing peripherally of, of Jane Austen and Emma, the character, and also, you know, Clueless. You know, that's my only real mm-hmm. comparison. You know, I sure. think she's, like, perfect in this. Um, I think she... Oh, yeah. yeah like she, she, she has, you know, uh, comedic timing, you know, mm-hmm. and she has she's a great actress to top it, and she has these facial expressions that are just uniquely hers. And, yeah, yes. I, uh, uh, tell me what you think of, like, Anya Taylor-Joy in, in Emma as Emma. Yeah, at first I wasn't so sure. Um, I was just like, okay, like I like her. You know, I mean, I think she's great. I've loved everything that I've seen her in. Um, but I wasn't sure. But I think she really 
you know, is she's very unique looking. I mean, she's beautiful, but she's just very striking. And, and um, so I think that to cast somebody like her in such a visual film was such a good idea because, like you said, her facial expressions, you know, she says so much um, when she's crying, you know, her, her big, beautiful eyes. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think she really does have a, a great uh, comedic timing or, uh, that I know it got pushed delayed the uh, last night in Soho the Edgar Wright film that oh, she's yeah. gonna be in yeah. about where she goes back into the 60s um, I'm really like it, seeing this almost made me more excited for this because we know that Edgar Wright isn't gonna you know he never does straight drama so I'm really excited for that because I think she could end up being you know a really versatile you know actor who can kind of do dramas and comedy I feel like a lot of women there's just not a lot of those around anymore women just kind of get pigeonholed so like you know maybe her kind of being like the new i hate to say julia roberts but that's somebody <laughs> that comes to mind you know who kind yeah. of can can kind of do that so yeah i think she's great um and i didn't know if you wanted to talk about this but also i i love mia goth as, I was gonna, as harriet i was gonna bring her up too yeah I, yeah I wanted to get through some of the some of the uh the other cast in this and i was gonna bring up mia goth sure. because She's another actress who I've been like, like yes, like every time I see her, and like her yeah. supporting roles throughout the years, I'm like yes. And then this, I, 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 you know, I think it was like, not something I'd seen her in before, and mm-hmm. she has like this warmth. I don't think I, I had seen you know to that extent yeah. in this movie. Sure. And yeah. I was like yes, she's great in this as well. I, I love Mia Goth yeah. in this. Yeah. Yeah, she's so she's just so cute. I yeah, think. yeah. <laughs> I don't mean that in a dismissive way either, but it, yeah, in this role, you know, I've seen her in you know Suspiria, obviously very heavy. Yeah. Um, the the Cure for Wildness, which I hated, but I loved her, <laughs> and um, you know, she's I think because of her unique look, she just gets cast in these like uh, she was in uh, what's the guy Nymphomaniac guy Lars oh, von Trier. Yeah, Lars von Trier. Yeah. She, yeah, she was in one of his movies. So, yeah, to finally see her again in something, you know, really uplifting and sweet, you know, I, I really hope that she has a good career because I just, I think that she is just highly underrated at the moment. Um, so I'd love to kind of see more more from her for sure. Yeah, and, and kind of to your point, like she also, much like Anya Taylor-Joy, has like this unique look to her. Yeah, that, yeah. Like you were saying, like naming off those um, movies she was in, like you know, kind of pigeonholed into like a kind of darker, you know, roles, mm-hmm. a, a role that she's been in, in the last few years. But this, yeah. like, I think, yeah, similar to Anya Taylor Joy. I hope she gets more roles like this where she gets to shine more and like show her, yeah. you know, her she, she she's more diverse as an actress. Um, yeah. What about the other casts? I mean, playing George Knightley is oh. Johnny Flynn, uh, who I don't I don't know if I've seen him in anything else. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't familiar with him either. I know he was cast as David Bowie in that Bowie movie people did not care for. That's right. Yeah. Um, but he's, oh, I've, I just found him to be very charming, very handsome. You know, he's really singing and playing the instruments in the movie. Um, he was, yeah, he was very, very cute. Um, and I, I, yeah, I mean, the thing, look, let's be honest. When you're watching a Jane Austen film, right, you want your male protagonist to be easy on the eyes. Like, we just, we can't get around that. Like, it's just the way it has to be. Um, and I found him to really have that, you know, kind of rough around the edges, but, you know, suave and charming. Um, and again, someone with great comedic timing, 
as well. You know, I think that's really what all of these actors, you know, that she, that Adam DeWild brought together, they really just have that timing down, um, which I think is so crucial um, for, for the film. Yeah. And I also want, I, I, I mentioned his name before. I want to say it again. Bill Nye in this uh, was another yeah. like, you know, big reason why I saw it because I mean, he I mean, he is like very much the supporting player, like in the background. But like, what he does in yeah. the background, his like through line in the whole film, you know, worried about like the draft and the snow and like, <laughs> yeah, that that stuff in there is 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 delightful and makes me laugh. Um, it made me laugh again watching it yeah. again. Um, God, he's he's so good. Um, he's he's so funny, and he he reminds me a lot of my boyfriend's dad, who's <laughs> who's who's British. He's a northern. British man, um, and it it just seems like such a stereotype, but but very true. Um, and you know, kind of going back to the Clueless adaptation, um, oh, I can't think of his name, but he played uh, what's his name, Dan. Oh, I can't think of his name. He's Richard Nixon and Dick. Dan had I can't say it. I have a trouble. I've trouble saying Dan. Oh yeah, Dan Hedaya. Yes, yes, there Dan Hedaya. Yeah, so he plays Emma's dad in Clueless. And if, you know, for those of us who have seen that movie our entire lives, you know, again, kind of a background character, but when he speaks, it's really funny. You know, it's just really witty, snappy. So um, it was, yeah, it was nice to kind of have another version of that character who I felt, you know, really, really did that uh, really well. Yeah, so good. I love this cast. Um, Anybody else in this cast who you want to highlight, uh, Mary? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I I admit I also don't know her last name. Um, Miranda, the British comedian. Hart, Miranda Hart. Miranda Hart. Um, I mean, not to not to give a spoiler for anyone who hasn't listened, but that that picnic scene at the end towards I, the end. Oh, uh, uh, when yeah. I saw it in theaters, everybody went. <gasps> yeah, me too. Maybe. It's something. It's just that, a heart. It's a heartbreaking scene. Yeah, for those who don't know, or it's, it's in the book too. I actually looked looked up before recording because I wanted to know okay. is this also in the book? Because it's 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 worded slightly different in the movie than the book, but this it, the uh-huh. same scene essentially happens. But yeah, that scene you're talking about, Meredith, it's gonna live in my mind as one of my favorite moments in the theater in 2020. I know I haven't had many moments overall in the theater <laughs> in 2020, but that yeah. moment, it's just not to spoil it. Like Emma says something. That is is a slam, basically. It's it's very hurtful. <laughs> very hurtful towards Miss Bates, played by Miranda Hart. And same with you. Like my my theater, my audience, just like they they gasped, they gasped, they laughed. <laughs> yeah. They were like, "What?" I was also like, "What?" That's insane. And mm-hmm. yeah, and then like when you see Miranda Hart, when you see Miss Bates, like react and like it's like, "Whoa, wait!" Oh. Like she gets really hurt, and it plays a pivotal role later on in the film. Oh, yeah. it's, it, it, that was a hell of a moment. It was a hell that of a moment. Is, to me, that is such good acting, right? Because you can see the hurt, right? Yeah. Like she's kind of processing it, and it feels so real, right? And then she's kind of trying to make it like, yes, yes, you're right. Like, I'm wrong, you know? Which uh, we all have done that, right? When, when somebody embarrasses us like that, we kind of try to backpedal. And I just, I thought that scene was so beautifully done. It's just, it's just so heartbreaking. It's one of the cringiest it's, things exactly. I've ever yeah. seen, like, on, in film, for sure. So that, that's always a warning, because I know, I know some people who are just not into that, not into, like, the cringe 
you know, comedy or yeah. whatever. But uh, be, be, be forewarned. There's a huge moment that that'll just make yeah. you just like crawl out of your skin. But hey, you Ugh, know, yeah, <laughs> huge payoff at the end. Uh, uh, that that yes. plot line with with like Emma trying to make it up and oh, it's it's so good. Um, yeah. What yeah. what else can we say about Emma Meredith? Like, what what else about the movie really stuck out for you? Well, I think I'm a big costume person. Um, I went through a period where I really um, wanted to to go study costume history. Um, but that's like, <laughs> talk about like a degree that does not exist. Um, I was convinced that's what I was going to go like get my master's or PhD in, but whatever. Uh, it was probably for the best. I'm sure I'd be hugely in debt for that. And um, I- I'm not very good at sewing. And so aside from going to work like in Hollywood or work on Broadway, I'm, I'm not sure like what else you would do with that um but i just love the costumes in this i'm a, I'm, a, I'm also a huge wallpaper uh, fanatic um i love wallpaper um i wanted to start like an instagram account about wallpaper wow. <laughs> in movies but i'm just like i don't i don't need to do that um so in terms of just set decoration and costumes one of the most beautiful i've seen in a while i mean obviously I'm sure everybody who's listening has probably seen the favorite. And I think like one of like, let's talk about a contrast, right? Because to me, that's a movie that exists in like blacks and whites, you know, and this is more like a Marie Antoinette, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, like the a movie, a music video. And again, because I think Autumn DeWild comes from that like music, rock and roll photographer background. Um, I think that, you know, she really has that eye um, for what pops on screen, um, you know, and almost being a character in itself. So, uh, yeah, just as, as a sucker for that kind of stuff, A plus for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and I, I should say, we, I mean, we talked about this in the beginning of the conversation, just the look of it. Yeah. From the costume to the wallpaper tip, just the framing, the, the, where they shot it, everything, the greens look so much, you know, greener than what you what you're used to right <laughs> the colors just pop and uh yeah um yeah as of this recording i actually should, should look this up before uh i came on the mic but it's it's on hbo max if anybody has hbo max yeah. um you know and if it's not on hbo max you know buy the blu-ray or something you buy it digitally i think it's worth owning um because it, it it is a fun fun movie and it's well well worth your time um don't for anybody who's like yeah it's a jane austen adaptation don't be like me you know who's, who's normally <laughs> like you know, ta- you know it th- there's some actually fun stuff in there that's very worthwhile and like i mean if we haven't sold you by this point what are you doing um before that's we true. go yeah <laughs> please listen to us uh before we go meredith i just wanted to talk because i've been talking to, to other guests about you know how how they've handled 2020 and by the mm-hmm. time this is out it's 2021 so you know uh as we're recording we're still in 2020 you know uh yeah. it sucks i i feel i feel jealous of people listening to this in the future but uh <laughs> how have you handled 2020 in terms of like viewing movies or entertainment like because uh, it, it it's another reason why I'm doing this uh, series on 2020 films because I think it's just been for me it's been just a bit harder to try to find you know um, uh, the films worthy of uh, of seeing because it, they're yeah. just everything's just so dispersed there's not a theater I can go to and like spend a Sunday afternoon and watch like two movies you know I have to you know go to iTunes and Hulu and HBO Max to find all these stuff but um, right. talk about how you've dealt with it and how you've um, 
you know, have you dealt with like watching movies at home? Yeah, I mean, it's, I'll be honest, I think this is probably the lowest amount of movies I've seen in years. Yeah, me too. Um, it's, you know, I think there were certain things that were supposed to come out that I was looking forward to. Um, like I said, the Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho, the new Wes Anderson film. Um, I'm not a huge um, Black Widow fan, but I love Florence Pugh oh, yeah. uh, and Dave Harbour. So I was looking forward to that movie. Um, yeah, so I, and I, I didn't see Tenet at all. Um, uh, trying to think if there's anything else. You know, I saw I saw Wonder Woman. I watched that by myself the other day. Um, but yeah, I really, I just feel like because everything is so bleak right now, it's just kind of hard for me to want to sit down and watch a drama. Um, yeah. That's a big, big thing. I've, I think like I kind of lean more into like uh, reality television, like the Great British Baking Show or... Um, my boyfriend and I watch a lot of British quiz panel shows like on YouTube and stuff. Um, so kind of just diving more into that. Um, like we, it, it's just really hard for me to kind of find something I really love. Um, but we did recently watch after like a year of wanting to see it, the kid who would be King, uh, oh. directed by Joe Cornish. Um, and loved that. Like, it's yeah. sad that that movie didn't do very well, but that's the kind of thing I am into, right? Like kind of an uplifting, uh, you know, it is a kid's movie, but um, it's still, there's a lot of value in there. Just something really fun and heartwarming. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there isn't really much else. Uh, well, I, I actually, I will say I kind of have been on a Helena Bonham Carter period piece kick. Uh-huh. Um, and it was interesting because I watched A Room with a View, which was actually a huge inspiration for Emma in terms of the set decoration and everything. Oh, wow. um, but, but it's kind of been fun to just kind of have those escapism films. Like I'm finding that that's, that's kind of what I'm looking for more than anything else. Like just, just escapism from the bleakness of society. Like that new, that new Korean film that's coming out. Min, what is it? Minar, Minar, Minarja with Steven Yin that's coming out. Oh yes. Um, Uh, It's for May 24. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? That looks great, but I just, I cannot emotionally handle that (laughs) right now. I, I totally feel you. Like I've had the last few days off, uh, for Christmas and whatnot. And I've been trying to go through my watch list and I, yeah. I, I had to look it up just to, just to remind myself, but like, and I think I was talked about this. No, I, I talked about this on the show earlier. Like I tried to watch, you know, Queen's Gambit after Death Five Bloods and I just was not in the mood. And yeah. I am, I'm trying to be more, um, kind to myself because I can't, right. as much as I love soul, that movie is like dark, <laughs> it, right? That's why I haven't watched it yet because I'm just like I I don't know if I can handle yeah, that. It's it's a lot to handle. And then I watched uh, King of Staten Island, which I'll talk about in, in a future segment. But as much as I love the comedy in that, as much as as it made me laugh, it's still emotionally draining. <laughs> and right? I'm like, oh my gosh! And then I watched Spontaneous recently. Which is is is, an, is also another funny movie, but also also yet very very dark at times. So yeah, right. And then finally, I watched. I ended up watching Eurovision. That you know, uh, <laughs> Rachel McAdams, perfect. Yeah, uh, uh, Will Ferrell movie, and that kind of lifted my spirits. Okay, yes, this is what I want. Just a comedy. Just, yeah, just escapism. That's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's right. I watched that one too, and that was kind of exactly what I needed. Just I just love a dumb fun movie, right? Like. 
and I think this year more than ever, like that's kind of what I'm seeking out for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm going to be happy to cross off a lot of this stuff that I need to watch for this podcast and mm-hmm. for my, you know, when I do my wrap up uh, article online, uh, you know, n- not that I am going to say, oh, those are all bad movies, but you know, <laughs> I just need a break from all this stuff. And I know by the, this yeah. year in particular, I'm finding out, uh, you know, stuff that I saw at the end of 2019, maybe, uh, may have been equally as heavy, but you know, I was, mm, I was, yeah. in, I was in 2019, 2020, you know, different, different horse. It's different game now. Right. <laughs> um, right, right. Yeah. So take care of yourselves, folks. I think that's the, that's the thing we're talking. <laughs> and, I, and you know what I've had to say to people and they're like, Oh, I think you'd really like this or really, yeah, I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm just not, I'm just not into that right now. Like, you know, I yeah. mean, they're my friends, so they're not going to get upset, <laughs> but like, I'm like, just, you can stop like reminding me to watch that. Cause I'm not, like, I'm just not going to watch it. I will say one thing that I watched is it's not a 2020 film. That was just a, a blind spot for me that I've been wanting to watch for years. That like really, it threw me for a loop emotionally, but in a good way, it was very mm-hmm. beautiful to watch. Um, it was Moulin Rouge. I had never seen that before. Oh, first time watching it, I'm like, wow, this where have where have where have I been? Where I've just been a fool for missing this for the last however many years, almost I'm, twenty years now. I'm glad you said that because I've I need to start keeping a list of what I want to watch. You know. Um, because I've seen that before, like back in high school when it came out. And that's kind of been one I wanted to put on my radar this year. Because one, like Nicole Kidman is my god. Oh, yeah. And two, like like I said, I like that escapism. And even though it's kind of a heavy story, you know, the costumes, the music, right? Exactly. So thank yeah. you for reminding me. I, I think I'm going to go watch that. <laughs> there you go. But no, it was, it was such an unexpected movie for me because, of course, I had heard it was good. But after yeah. having seen it for myself, I'm like, oh, it is good but even more so yeah i i so yeah i i um in 2021 i want to kind of do more of that just cross more things i should have seen and maybe more things that are just that expressive and beautiful and that's kind of what i was doing with the helena bonham carter rewatch or watch of some of the period pieces was you know some of them i haven't seen and uh you know some of them like i have but it's been a long time and again just kind of like, let me just watch something that I'll enjoy, right? Like, because yeah. um, I think, especially as someone who was like a, a teen in the 90s, you know, when everything just was so bleak all the time, but we just had to watch it because like that was, you know, if you wanted to stay on top of it, you had to watch all these things, right? And I think now that, you know, I'm getting closer to 40, I'm like, you know, I think it's good to stay informed, but if something isn't bringing me joy, like... I don't have to watch it just to watch it, you know? And I think for a lot of film people, that's kind of a hard thing to detach yourself from, yeah. right? Like, Maybe I've come to that realization, like, uh, this year. I'm just like, man, like, uh, if only I... Yeah, maybe I just need to focus more on, like, what makes me happy at the moment and, you know, not yeah. something that I need to see. So I totally get yeah. that. Um, but something that will for, sur- for sure bring people joy is emma go watch emma absolutely. <laughs> absolutely absolutely if you don't find joy please reach out to me on twitter <laughs> and i would love to get in an argument with you about it speaking of twitter plugs uh Meredith, sure. it's been a joy where can people listening find you online if you wish to be found yeah i do i wish to be found <laughs> uh, my twitter is meredith just m-e-r-i-d-e-t-h because i 
started Twitter a long time ago. Um, I don't really have any professional projects or anything. Um, you know, I don't, I, yeah, I, I wish I did. That would be really cool. But yeah. <laughs> maybe in the future. Uh, maybe in the future. Yeah. yeah. But right now, no. Just just if you want to see tweets about um, British Bake Off, Twilight, <laughs> One Direction, with occasional movie uh, movie thoughts, find me on Twitter. And, and please do. You're, you're a great follow, Meredith. And, and thank you so much. Oh, thank you. For doing this. This was a joy. And with me for another segment on the Talk Film Society podcast where we talk about the movies, the films of 2020, movies, films, what's the difference? Um, my guest for this segment is Austin Shin. Hey, Austin. Hello. Pleasure to be on. Thank you for coming on. Um, I know it was, uh, uh, what's the right word? You know, uh, it was uh, it was on, it was off, it was on. Glad I could have you on. I'm glad we could, we could talk about this movie in particular uh, because it's a movie uh to me that was a big bright spot in 2020 you know and i and it I, really was and i hope it'll and i hope it will be for people uh who have watched it who are listening to this or who are maybe going to watch it after they listen to this either way um but i'm glad we can talk about it now um i'll just toss it to you uh austin what is the movie because i've asked guests on this series you know to pick a movie from 2020 uh, to talk about uh, what's the movie that you gra- uh, that you gravitated towards, Austin? The one that I really wanted to do because I have been a fan of this basically my entire cinematic career is uh, we did Bill and Ted Face the Music, uh, and I've been a Bill and Ted fan since uh, my mom downloaded or I say downloaded, boy, there's outdated terminology. Uh, she recorded the the original movie off pay per view for me. And uh, when I was a kid, and so I grew up watching it. I grew up watching Bogus Journey. I have I watched the animated series, uh, the one with Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, actually, and George Carlin. So I've been a fan of the series my whole life, and I, there was no movie in 2020 that I was more excited about than, oh my god, we're truly getting Bill and Ted 3, and we got it. And it couldn't have been more satisfying for what it is. Just exactly the part three I hoped it was going to be. Yeah, I I'm with you in terms of like um, I loved Bill and Ted, I still love Bill and Ted, but my love of it started um, with those first two movies, of course. But in particular, I was a huge fan, still am a huge fan of uh, Bogus Journey. Like that's my favorite oh, yeah. of the three, actually. Um, when I went back to the to the movies this summer, I was really struck by how much that one just sings. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a wild and crazy sequel. Um, it goes places that are just like, you know, <laughs> it's like what 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 rational filmmaker would say? Hey, what 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 filmmakers would say? Let's let's take these characters we love from the first movie and just send them straight to hell. How about that? <laughs> and that was famously the working title at one point. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. Bill and Ted, Bill go, and to Ted go to hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know, it's been so long since uh, the second movie. And let's talk about like anticipating this, Austin, because. Um, I may have mentioned this to you, I think on Twitter, it, 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 it may have come up. I may have mentioned like, this was a huge surprise for me. Talk about like anticipating it and finally just watching it for the first time this past year. Um, you know, I was, when they were, they started talking about this in 2010, 
Yeah. Uh, Solomon and Matheson started saying, yeah, we're writing this. We're going to try and do this. And the premise has been the same straight through. They've always said, we're going to focus on them trying to write the song. Um, and so I was really excited. And it was just one of those things. You keep hearing beeps of they want to do it. Um, Reeves and Winter made it clear they wanted to do it. Reeves would get asked about it a lot, I know. And he would always say, look, if they'll just – if we can just do it, I'll do it. And then famously, of course, uh, a few years ago, they did the video where Reeves and Winter went to the Hollywood Bowl and said, yeah, it's finally a go. Hopefully this summer we're going to shoot it. And then they shot it. And this was one of those movies that very early on, it was clear this was going to be one of the ones that was going to go to video on demand, uh, as well as theaters. It did play a theater in Little Rock, uh, where I live. But I was hyped, um, and I went on ahead and pre-ordered it to buy, just because I was like, if there's any movie this year that's worth it, I'm glad that it didn't really get any delay, particularly. It came out basically the date it was supposed to come out. Yeah. And um, so when I got off work that night, um, I sat down and watched this and just absorbed it, and it was it was wonderful. It was just such a great experience. Yeah, um, and this is something we'll talk about later, just like watching movies during 2020, during the pandemic specifically. Um, but yeah, it was one of those releases that was perfect because like, uh, it was one I did not mind seeing at home uh, that I was hyped for, that I wasn't going to risk my life for to see in the theater. <laughs> That's, you know, I, I, I did that three times during the pandemic and that was it. You know, I won't do it again. But it came at the right moment for me because I was worried about the theatrical experience and like watching movies at home. But I'm like, screw it. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to make a night of it. Going to hopefully enjoy it because I, I had already seen people had watched it. They're praising it, and it was a, it blew me away. Like that experience that night was like, wow, this is what I want in a in a in a Bill and Ted sequel. How many years later? The experience of watching the movie was amazing. Like all of it was perfect, and it's one of those moments from 2020 uh, movie watching moments that I cherish now because I'm like, yes, it can it can actually work. I can actually enjoy watching a new movie at home. <laughs> so well, uh, yeah, one thing you have to factor in is that this series has always been very home driven. Yeah, um, neither of the two films were big box office successes, but they were huge video films. And I think that's why it's fitting that this was the one big franchise before the end of the year that went here that works because this this has always been its home milieu and it's right that it went there it it fits completely. Yeah, that's that, that's a great point because like my uh, memories of watching the first two Bill and Ted movies were just what like on cable, like on what TBS yeah. they would show like Bogus Journey, like on uh, two p.m. on a Saturday, and that was amazing. So yeah, I I, I really didn't mind. You know, uh, forget the discussion about like what sh- what should be a grand theatrical experience, like what movies should be seen in a theater. Forget that. Like Bill and Ted, I uh, I loved it at home. It was, and then it's another story I haven't told yet. But like uh, my sister visited. Um, a few weeks later, and I sat her down and put on Bill and Ted Face the Music, because like 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 her like uh, we we both loved Bill and Ted as uh, you know as kids, and she just loved Bill and Ted, and that made me even you know happier that she would, yeah she would love it too so many years later. So yeah, that's something you know I couldn't you know experience 
I, I couldn't, you know, sh- share with somebody if it was in the theater because it. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But yeah. Oh, let's talk about the plot, Austin. A blunted face the music. Can you break down? Because you mentioned, you know, what was always the through line of of, of what this movie was always going to be was them writing the song. Um, can you talk more about the plot? What happens in blunted face the music? It's really very simple. Um, a someone from the future, um, Rufus's daughter, played by Kristen Shaw, which that's just perfect casting. Yeah, uh, comes to them and says, "Okay, you've got an hour and forty-five minutes to write this song, or the entire universe is going to collapse in on itself." And Bill and Ted travel through time, trying to go to their future selves, trying to find the song because they still can't figure it out. At the same time, their daughters uh, go through time and recruit a bunch of famous musicians to try and do the song themselves. And there's a third plot about their wives really feeling dissatisfied with them and trying to decide, is this our best lives? It's, and it's all building up to the big moment where they have to pull the song off. And it's, it's a simple plot. And, but I think that it's remarkable how much white is actually in it uh it's really a film about confronting the idea of what is your life's work and that's uh that's a pretty important plot in 2020 when we were all thinking about that yeah exactly it's it's appropriately like emotionally uh heavy uh because i i mean uh growing older um basically uh it was it was at first seeing Bill and Ted on screen, you know, Alex Winter, Keanu Reeves on screen as Bill and Ted. So many years later, you obviously see the age. You can't you can't escape that. And it was a blow to me. It's like wow, it's been that long. I, I can see that they've mm-hmm. aged. And in character in the movie in Bill and Ted Face the Music, they deal with that with with you know time gone by and. Uh, like like you're saying, Austin, like uh, what you're going to leave for the world, what what you've accomplished, you know. What, what what it means for the future, and they they told the story of these characters that needed to be told, and it, mm-hmm. it it's beautiful. By the end of it, it is. I really think that it comes down to the fact that uh, you know, of course, the writers of the film were Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson, who were who have been the writers the entire time. It it, it really feels like this is their grand statement on how they feel about the series, how they feel all these years later and the fact that the original dna because they very much ran this movie this was very much a writer run movie um uh they did get some help um steven soderbergh apparently was a big figure behind the scenes on this one (laughs) yeah which is surreal but he was the one who really pushed them to get it made and uh hooked them up with dean pariseau who directed but this was very much their film and their voices are so loud in it, just as they were in the other two films. I mean, it really feels like them coming. The the fact that you nailed it. This is a film where they're not trying to pretend that it was just yesterday that the, first, the last film happened. It's been twenty nine years between films. That's a that is a hell of a gap. And you know, I mean, I'm someone. I was seven when the last film came out. And here I am, and I'm staring down 37 next month. Wow. So, you know, you have to think about these things. And I like that the movie kept thinking about that. And, of course, 
there's also the theme in the movie of, you know, fathers and daughters. And that hits me really hard because I'm a father to a daughter. Yeah. And let, let's talk about those characters. Cause, uh, I, <laughs> these performances, um, of, uh, Bridget Lundy Payne and, uh, Samara Weaving as the respective daughters of Bill and Ted. I, I love this, this plot line. I love their performances. Like they're like at moments emulating, you know, Bill and Ted respectively, like they're, like their own fathers, the, the characters are, but they're just like so unique. I don't know. Uh, they're on their own wavelength. Yeah, yeah, they are. And the, the the pairing of them, if they were ever to make a sequel or a spinoff, I of course want the folks to be on them because I could just yeah. watch them do anything really. Uh, but yeah, that yeah, and and um, it's it's by the end, it is a a beautiful moment of like these daughters coming together to help their their fathers. It's it's truly touching, and that plot line definitely helps you know this movie along it, it it doesn't feel like there's a wasted moment with these characters no it really doesn't at all no and i love that plot line with them i love that there's never a sense of the fathers are trying to control the daughter's lives because there's a plot line that i'm sick and tired of it's just a very healthy sense that these are the inevitable daughters that you would expect of these characters these are the fruits of these characters and you're like yeah yeah i I totally buy that i'm 100 percent believing this is (sighs) everything about the movie feels like we are exactly picking up with where these characters would inevitably be that's because you see so many of these late quills where you can tell that nobody involved they really knew where this was going to go and they had to try and figure something out you it really does feel like we were just dropped in at the exact moment the opening scene of the movie they had me at that wedding. Yeah, yeah. Which I I don't I almost don't want to talk about whose wedding it is because it is such a genius joke. Oh yeah. That I was dying laughing just as the movie was getting started. Yeah, I'm um, I'm I'm with you because I had no idea uh, whose wedding it was. Like I I didn't really read you know beyond the top bill people. Um, I'm not gonna give it away, but whose wedding it is? It's it's it was very very hilarious to me, and it was it's a great perfect. it was a great running joke throughout the throughout the series itself too. So uh, yeah, so I, good. It was and it kind of a sweet feel good one in a weird way. Um, I I love that they brought back as much as they could. Um, I love that uh, Ted's dad was back, um, which was kind of a shock to me. I didn't even know he was still alive. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, but, I had had that same feeling, but. But man, mad props to Howland Jr. because he is fantastic in this. And you know, I, one of the craziest things that I read was that apparently at one point they were not going to have death back. Oh, which which would have been mm. oh, see. No, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up uh, Death the Grim Reaper. William Sadler, one of my favorite character actors ever. Oh, he's um, amazing. I I would have understood if they didn't have him back because he just felt so. Like just a special, a, a special thing in part two, and maybe only relegated to part two. Like that's you know that was his purpose, just to yeah. be the Green Reaper in you know Bogus Journey. Um, but to bring him back <laughs> in the way they did for the amount of time they did, it was just the right amount of time. It was uh, it was perfect. Yeah, it was. It, was, it perfect. was yeah, just enough and just enough to really sell how. You know, just I mean, more than anything else, it was a chance to experience how much Sadler obviously enjoyed playing the part. Oh yeah. Because um, I read an interview with him a few years ago where he said, you know, it, that yeah, if they ever made this, he was desperate to come back because 
he loved doing it so much. And clearly he did because you can just, you can feel the joy of performance wafting off of him in this, uh, not surprisingly, I've read that one of the other parts that he felt that fondly of was the Shawshank Redemption. Oh yeah, yeah, I can yeah, I can totally see that. And yeah. and, and it, it was a joy to see Sadler like on social media, like just it, 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 you know if you hadn't read that interview, if anybody didn't know how much he loved being in the Bill and Ted franchise, just look at his social media because he's, he's oh yeah he's, he's constantly posting about. Well, not constantly, but I know like when uh, the ramp up to this film and even like the, the production of it, he was just like posting pictures of him on set and like him just like uh, like in character death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Sadler so much, and I'm, I'm glad he was able yeah. to come back. Yeah, I don't know. It just this really was for me. I, again, of all of the late sequels that we've had, this is by far and away my favorite of all of them. Um, I, I'd even put it over stuff like The Force Awakens. Um, this is. Well, I, I, at this point, I would definitely put it over The Force Awakens. Thank you, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, but I, this, and again, I think it really does come down to the fact that Reeves and Winter clearly wanted to be there. Solomon and Matheson, this was clearly their brainchild. This was their baby, and they really wanted to get it done right. And it's just a joy to have a Bill and Ted trilogy that feels complete. And, yeah, you know, in 2020, it's impossible to ignore how, again, how this movie feels like the movie of 2020 in terms of what we were all thinking, because it's a movie about unity, about working together, about good feelings. And this was a year where a lot of that stuff was really lacking. And so it was nice to have a movie that let us focus on that and had a good message and left you feeling good, even as you laughed your ass off. And that's how it should be. Uh, it was interesting that this year had this blunt head face the music and also another favorite of mine, uh, Bad Boys for Life, which also was yeah. like a late era sequel. Like what, like fifteen years after the last uh, uh, entry? Oh, oh no, it was it was seventeen. Years. Seventeen years. That's right. Um, because I went in. That was literally I was signing up for for uh, like getting my books and all that the day that I saw Bad Boys Two. So. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, but the way they handled it, handled it in uh, Bad Boys for Life was similar to how they handled it here. They they accepted the fact that these guys, these main characters, were getting old. They had to deal with uh, you know their past and where they're going to take you know themselves in the future, and also uh, just the fact that uh, they have a lineage that, that they're concerned about. So yeah, it, it, I, I find it interesting that you know late era sequels. Kind of as of late, maybe those two examples are like the, the prime examples so far. But ha, you know, smartly deal with you know uh, uh, handling these characters as they age. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I really think the one that kicked this off was fittingly Tron Legacy. Which yeah, that's that right. in its title. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I just find it interesting. I was my my point was I don't know what that says to uh, that says about us as a culture. You know, like how nostalgia plays into this and how um, I don't know. It's not necessarily nostalgia. This isn't necessarily nostalgia for the sake of nostalgia, but like nostalgia with you know a sake of like you know we know we don't need this, but there's definitely a purpose for it. We're, we're you know we're yeah we're, we're, we're making it work for our characters in a smart way. So I think that's interesting with these late era sequels. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Um, what else can we say about Blunt Head Face the Music, Austin? What 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 other um, uh, you know what 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 other moments in this movie strike you? I really wanted to shout out Anthony Kerrigan's performance as the robot. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's so about. incredible in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, I had to act. He's very autistic coded, uh-huh. which I really popped at and uh, even uh, commented on to Ed Solomon on Twitter the next day and. We had a lovely back and forth about that, but he was great. Um, and I really have to say, Kevin Yager coming out of retirement to do the makeup on this was a joy. This was his first credit in like 10 years. Oh, wow. And, yeah. and that's incredible because this is the man that designed Chucky. That, like, yeah. This is a legend. I was going to say the special effects, like the, the makeup in this is 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 pretty exceptional especially with like um <laughs> as as you see in the movie blunt tip progress through time there's like time travel involved and it's 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 like both like you know realistic and also goofy which is i think is what you need in the bill and ted movie <laughs> mm-hmm. especially the, the scenes in like the prison yard with like bill and ted like buffed up oh it's it, it's amazing it's yeah it's just i like that the film is still small i like yeah, that it exactly. still feels like it, it's a still small budget it's not bloated it's it's a quick movie it barely before the credits it barely hits 80 minutes and that's good that's good that's how it should be it's just a nice tight compressed dose and it just really is exactly what i wanted out of this movie and we needed that in 2020 because believe me we we didn't have a lot to pick from this year so i'm glad that if we got to get this it was exactly what I wanted it to be. I even last night was at Barnes and Noble looking at the uh, Evan Dorkin uh, archive of uh, his comics he did for this. Oh wow! And I only stopped myself because I remembered that I have it somewhere in a box. <laughs> um, I gotta check that out um, now. Before we go, and we've been mentioning this through the segment, but uh, the mere fact that uh, the pandemic uh, is still raging. Um, and uh, our habits all changed during 2020, especially when it came to film and watching movies at home. Um, Austin, I've been asking this uh, to all my guests: like, how has your uh, habits? How have they, how have they changed um, yeah, during the pandemic? How how have how have you watched movies uh, during this time? Um, you know, I've been taking a lot more chances. I feel like. Um, one of the things that I did when the pandemic really started roaring was making a list of B movies that I'd wanted to see and then crossing them off. So that's how I saw the night of the demons movies. Oh. Uh, that's how I saw chopping mall. You know, I, 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 I kind of went out on a little bit of a limb there and tried stuff that I wouldn't have normally tried. Um, uh, certainly, you know, um, of the 2020 releases that I've watched, um, I certainly took a lot more risks than I would have normally taken. Um, that was a big factor for me this year was taking a little bit more chances, um, buying a lot more movies. Um, I, I definitely feel like the movies I watched this year were, uh, I, I avoided a lot of darker movies this year, to be honest. Like, I mean, again, the B movies that I just mentioned are all horror comedies. Yeah. Um, that was really the mood that I was in was, doesn't make me happy. Um, I will say that I, there are a number of major releases that are on streaming that I have yet to get to. Um, I have plans to watch wonder woman next week 
and I'm going to hit soul at some point in the next few weeks. Um, so, I mean, that, that has kind of been a factor. Um, mostly I've just been missing it though. I mean, that's been the big thing for me is I've been missing getting to go. Yeah, I, I totally feel you. And um, I, I mentioned this in one of the last segments I recorded recently, but I found that, you know, well, any other year I could watch pretty much anything. <laughs> There's been a strain for me when it comes to darker movies and not even like super dark movies. Like just just saying, just to name a few, like I saw Spontaneous recently, mm-hmm. which is like, it's funny, but it's also like... Um, dark at times and uh, it's about it, spontaneous combustion you know. yes <laughs> so yeah and then along with that you know uh within the same within you know uh days of that i saw king of staten island which is also funny which i also had plenty of laughs in you know but also pretty dark <laughs> um yeah. and I, i've come to find out that like yeah me i uh, this past year has been a test on what i can watch and what makes how i should be treating myself and maybe i should be watching more joyful things because after that after watching those heavy movies i and i ended up watching like eurovision which was like a joy because mm-hmm. i was just it's just a comedy uh with will ferrell and yeah. Jim McAdams. And i just wanted to laugh so maybe that's all that's that's really what i need I'll sometimes s- i'll tell you what i've watched probably the most of this year has been riff tracks and oh, yeah. one of my only theatrical visits this year was to see riff tracks uh, jacko oh um yeah to see they they did a one of their video on demands in theaters because i just those three guys voices just make me happy yeah i you know i've been an mst3k fan my whole life and i just know those guys and there's a comfort to them and so i've been watching a lot of their stuff and it just cracks me up and they just redid one of my favorite mst3k episodes and it's hilarious so yeah See that's yeah, that, I, yeah I, I I'm I'm totally with you because I love uh, Mr. Science Theater and um, I love that riff track stuff like if it pops up on Amazon I usually watch it um, I I'm glad there's that at least you know some people can cling on to uh, because yeah it's been it's been a wild year has there been anything else from 2020 that you that you saw that you could recommend Austin uh, there's several things that I would po- point out. Um, Armando, Armando Iannucci's David Copperfield is fantastic. Oh, I need to um, see that. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, it's both fun. It's funny, but it never feels like a parody of Dickens. It feels like he's finding the joy that's just inherent in it. Uh, I really loved The Vast of Night. That If someone had already claimed Bill and Ted, I would have gone on with that. Because I think that's a really fantastic little sleeper that more people need to see. Yeah, I'll be talking about that uh, in a future segment. Yeah, good, because that's one I people need to see. Um, there's some camera work in it that is just art. Okay. Um, uh, Birds of Prey uh, has a huge fan base, and I'm totally in it. Uh, yeah. I, I loved every frame of that. Um, I wish I liked Sonic the Hedgehog. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I, I found it aggressively mediocre it does have its moments i will admit but i I, uh, yeah i i was in the i was one of the last movies to saw in a theater and i um kind of fell asleep during parts but hey jim carrey got a paycheck so that's good and he's he's great in it (laughs) um and and as i said i those and one that i really want to shout out uh, because everybody is griping about the lack of comic book movies this year uh superman man of tomorrow uh which went direct which was part of their direct video line is an absolutely wonderful film. If you love Superman, here is the big four color 
pulpy, funny, amazing Superman that you love. Uh, it's a blast. Uh, everybody involved in it's great. Zachary Quinto plays uh, Lex Luthor and oh, is just right. perfect. Uh, and it's a Lobo story. So, mm. and I'm a big Lobo fan. So uh, it's wonderful. I cannot recommend that one enough. I actually watched that the same week as Bill and Ted. And those two movies are a great double feature. Oh, wow. There you go. Um, uh, just, just more stuff to add to your watch list, folks, because yeah. I know that this episode's coming out in January of 2021, but we're not going to stop talking about 2020 for a while. <laughs> you know, there's, I, I feel like this series, for me, has been like great in going back to look at the movies you know, people may have missed or people may have like, you know, forgotten about. Yeah. And Blunted Face of Music is definitely one. Uh, it's on VOD right now. Um, I highly recommend it. Austin in the same boat for sure, right? You would just yeah. tell people, oh, it's yeah, pick it up. It's my favorite film of the year. Yeah, uh, it's also on Blu-ray. I mean, please, uh, or do you? It's Redbox. It's yeah. on Redbox. It's 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 everywhere where you find movies. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. uh thank you, Austin, for doing this. It was great talking to you yeah. about Blunt Ted and about other movies of 2020 and 2020 itself. Uh. Before we go, uh, plugs. Where can people listening find you online? Um, first of all, I get to shout out my uh, home podcast, theomniplex.org. We just renamed, um, and uh, we've gotten some good stuff in there. Um, you know, it's not a movie this year, but I do want to point out the Sandman audio drama this year might as well have been a movie. Um, and we did an interview with the guy that did that. Um, you can also find me at um, a flickeringlife.wordpress.com, where I just posted uh, something yesterday. And. Uh, yeah, you know, I've got uh, I've got a lot of outlets. Um, I've, I'm posting stuff on my Kofi page, all kinds of places. There you go. Do that, folks. Um, Austin, thank you again. Uh, great talking Pleasure. to you. Yeah. And as I say at the end of all of these segments, hey, see you at the movies. No, I never say that. All right. Bye. <laughs>